Well, praise the Lord, everyone. Are you excited to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday afternoon? Amen. Amen. What a tremendous honor it is for my wife and I to be with you all here at First Church. I just want to take a moment to honor Pastor and Sister Hoffman. Can we give them one, one more round of applause? Amen. We love and we appreciate them so much. And uh, I said it earlier in the uh, earlier service, I'm sure there's nothing that I'm going to say today that Brother Hoffman has not said or taught or you've heard before. Amen. He's such an incredible Bible teacher and preacher, and uh, I honor him. It's such an incredible honor to be able to stand, to be trusted with the opportunity to be able to speak to you today, and I honor him honor the entire pastoral team failed to do that earlier. Can we give it up for Pastor Mike, Pastor John? Amen. Love and appreciate them. Pastor Draylen and, and this incredible team have done such a, a great job this weekend putting on the creator sessions. Um, I, I said it earlier, it, it is uh, so important to me as a creative to have uh, atmospheres and conferences and settings like we had this weekend where we can uh, connect and learn. And uh, we, we, we really found out in 2020 how valuable our creators are. We found out really how valuable they are. And we uh, started having church online and having to do things. I mean, if you didn't like the, if you, didn't, if you weren't showing the video and the production team some love uh, before then, I bet you, you have now because we, we could not have had church without them. So I value these types of things that we do. And uh, it was such an incredible time uh, just, just learning together. And I honor Pastor Draylen and his wife, Sister Kelsey. Can we just give them a round of applause for all their hard work? Amen. And so many friends. I'm not going to start naming names because I, I will forget someone. That's not just a uh, just a saying that you say, uh, but I really will. But I honor all of my friends that are in the building today. Some people I've known for a long time. Thank you so much for being in the house of the Lord. Uh, we're going to turn to Deuteronomy chapter 33. We'll begin reading at verse number 26. Deuteronomy 33, 26. Amen. If you want to go ahead and stand, if that's your custom, we'll stand for the reading of God's word, Deuteronomy 33 and 26. And it is an honor from, for me to have my wife with me. She's with me just about everywhere that, we, that, that I go, and uh, I honor her. She's such a tremendous help to me. Amen. Thank God for her. Deuteronomy chapter 33 and verse number 26. The Bible says, there is none like unto the God of Jeshurun, who rideth upon the heaven in thy help, and in his excellency on the sky. Aren't you thankful today for a God that will help you? I'm so thankful that we don't serve a God that's up in heaven somewhere with his arms folded, just wondering what, what in the world we're doing down here, but we serve a God that is a God that is able to help us. And that's simply what I want to preach on this topic today. Home is where the help is. I want you to turn to your neighbor and say, home is where the help is. We have a saying that most of us have probably said before, home is where the heart is, but I just want to preach that home 
is where the help is. One more time, I want you to lift up your hands and let's just pray together. God, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your spirit. We thank you for your anointing that we felt from the very onset of this service. Now, God, I pray that you would anoint your word. I pray that you would anoint our ears to hear and our hearts to receive. God, I pray in Jesus' name that you would speak with clarity, Lord. Lord, that you would speak directly to our hearts and our minds, Lord, in a way that would bring about change and faith and hope, oh Lord. We give you praise, we give you glory, we give you honor for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. One more time, why don't you clap your hands unto the Lord? Come on, why don't you clap your hands with all of your might and all of your soul, with all of your heart. God, we thank you. We worship you, Lord. Amen. Thank you so much for standing for the reading of the word. You may be seated. They were home alone, just she and him. She turned him in for being the abusive man that he was. But instead of him getting in trouble, they'd instead turn her sister into juvenile detention. And she was left at home with her stepfather all alone. Sharon was her name and this little child was absolutely terrified because as he'd informed her, there was no one there to hear her cry. Nowhere for her to run, nowhere for her to hide because they were all alone in a house by themselves and she knew, she just knew that he was going to take her life. And as she lay in her bed, literally paralyzed by the fear that had gripped her, she simply whispered these words to God. God, if you are real, I need you to help me. And at that very moment, she felt an overwhelming sense of peace surround her. And it was almost as if she could feel arms wrapping around her and she was no longer afraid. And now she could hear the steps of her stepfather coming down the hallway as he got closer to her room. But as he tried to enter into the door of her room, something literally pushed him back and he began to curse in a fit of rage, just frustrated by the fact that he could not come in but determined he tried again to enter into the room once more but again something prevented him and yet again he tried but could not enter into the room because little Sharon in her moment of desperation had cried out unto the Lord and he had heard her can I preach to somebody that there are many of us in this room that find ourselves in the same position that little Sharon was in many of us are in trouble and it might not be domestic abuse it might not be something like this but maybe you've been struggling on your phone to resist temptation maybe you've been struggling financially maybe you're dealing with anxiety and depression so dense and so dark and so deep that you feel like there's no way that you can get out of it but I've come to preach a word of hope to somebody today and tell you uh, that you don't have to give up uh, you don't have to give in uh, but if you will call uh, on Jesus uh, he uh, will help you 
Can I tell somebody he's just as close as the mention of his name? We preached about it. We sung about it this morning. His name still makes the darkness tremble. His name still makes demons flee. His name still makes anxiety release his hold. There's power in his name. There's freedom in his name. Will you speak the name of Jesus? He will hear you. I've come with a very simple word from the Lord for someone today. I've come to tell you I don't care how dark it is right now. Help is on the way. I don't care how deep you're in right now. Help is on the way. I don't care how in over your head you might feel right now. Our God is here and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty. Where the spirit of the Lord is there is freedom. Where the spirit of the Lord is depression has to leave but you got to make up your mind I'm going to call on the Lord who is worthy to be praised and when I call on that Lord he will hear me when I call upon that Lord he will come down and help me you cry out to the Lord he will help you Deuteronomy 33, we find Moses at the conclusion of his life in our scripture text. He's been a good leader to the children of Israel, albeit not a perfect leader. His disobedience to God by striking the rock instead of speaking to it has cost him his opportunity to taste of the milk and honey which flowed in the land God had promised him and the children of Israel. Yet Moses finds it in himself to move beyond the pain of his mistakes and pray a prayer blessing over the children of Israel before he dies. And he goes tribe by tribe and he prays a prayer blessing upon them all. And at the conclusion, he begins to glorify God. And in verse number 26, he says this, there is none like God, O Jeshron. Who rides upon the heavens to your help. What Moses is simply saying is this. There is no God like my God. Not because my God is powerful and he is powerful. Not because he has all authority and he does have all authorities. Not just because he's a miracle working God and he is a miracle working God. But what separates my God from every other God. What separates my God is the fact that my God is a God that will Help me. I come to preach to somebody. Our God is not up in heaven looking down at you, folding his arms, unwilling and unable to help you. But we serve a God that will get down in the mud, get down in the crit, get down in the turf. Come on, somebody. He can pick you up. He can turn your life around. He can bring you out of darkness. He's a God that will help you. Oh, I've come to preach to every lie from hell that would tell you that you have to be good enough to receive God. You don't have to be good enough. You don't have to have it all together. All you have to do is cry out to him. And when you cry out to our God, he will help you. He will deliver you. He will save your soul. 
come on somebody you've come too late to tell me that he doesn't deliver I've already seen him deliver will you cry out to him will you give him your heart will you give him your soul will you give him your mind he will help you I know that's simple a simple word but for somebody that's all you need to hear because the devil's been sitting on your shoulder your mind's been playing games with you uh, and telling you that God doesn't care about you God doesn't understand or see you uh, but I've come to tell you uh, you need to stare the devil back in the face uh, and say devil uh, my God does care about me Uh, he's not like some God up in a temple somewhere he's not like those other gods uh, but he's the God that will help me Uh, what makes my God great uh, it's not just his power not just his might but his willingness to get involved in my life Moses says there's no God like my God because he'll help me there's no God like the God of Jeshurun because I was in the wilderness with no food to eat and no food to drink Myself and the children of Israel and we called upon the Lord and God sent quail and manna. We God, God, God allowed water to come out of a rock. That's why there's no God like my God because he helped me. I was standing in front of Pharaoh. The children of Israel were slaves and we began to call upon the Lord and God delivered us. We were standing in front of a Red Sea and God moved the Red Sea out of our way and we walked through on dry ground. That's why I have this testimony. That's why I have this Come on, because he helped me. He didn't just leave me alone. I wasn't abandoned. I wasn't forsaken. I wasn't by myself. But he was with me. He was for me. He's the God that helped me. Can I tell somebody that's why I serve him? That's why I praise him. I love him because he first loved me. I praise him because he gave himself for me. Oh, I wonder right now if you would just thank him in this room. If you're thankful for a God that will help you. If you're thankful for a God that will love you. In spite of all that you've done, somebody give him praise. Oh, there's no God like our God. He's not like some other God. He's not like any other God. We all know that there's only one God. But he's not like these other professed gods. Because he's the God that will help us. Some of us might say, I understand that. But the enemy's been on my shoulder telling me, That this is what I'm going through. No one's ever gone through anything like this before. What I'm experiencing, I've never seen anybody go through anything like this before. What I'm dealing with, my type of depression, my type of anxiety, my... The devil's been sitting on your shoulders telling you that there's nobody that's ever been through anything like this before. There's nobody that's ever experienced anything like this before. But I love what the Bible says because we all suffer 
We all deal with those types of thoughts from time to time. But I love what the psalmist says in Psalms 46 and 1. He said, our God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in trouble. I've heard this scripture a million times, it seems, growing up in church. And you know what I've always thought that meant? I always thought that meant that God was a very present help in that in the midst of my problems and in the midst of my circumstances. He's going to be present. He's not going to leave me. He's going to be right there. And that's true. And that is biblical. But in this particular passage of scripture that's not exactly what the psalmist is saying but in the Hebrew as we begin to examine that that very present help portion that simply means that our God is a well proven very present in the Hebrew means a well proven help God simply is saying I'm not a novice I'm not like everybody else I'm not a beginner this isn't my first rodeo this isn't the first time I I've healed people of depression. This isn't the first time I've healed somebody's body, but I'm a God that is a very present help. I'm well proven. I've done it before. And if I've done it before, if I've healed before, if I've saved before, if I've delivered before, then what makes you think I can't come into this service right here, right now, and do it again? I've come to tell somebody he's a very present help. He's well proven. His reputation precedes him. God is not like everybody else. You know, if I ever had a problem or an issue, let's just say I had a bad toothache and I had a cavity. I'm not going to want to go to the guy who's practicing removing a tooth for the first time because my guy might forget to give me the anesthesia. You know what I mean? I'm not going to go if I need surgery on my heart. I'm not going to go to the guy who's doing it for the very first time, Pastor Mike. I'm sorry. That ain't me. I don't care if it's free. I ain't going to that guy because he's a novice and he might mess up and he might not know what he's doing. But if I need surgery, I'm going to go to someone who's done it a million times. Can I tell somebody? God's done this a long time. This isn't his first time. This isn't his first time delivering. And he's here right now. And if he's done it before, he will do it again. Oh, somebody, I wonder if you will worship him right now. That's a word for somebody in this place. Come on, you can put your trust in him. He's a very present help. You can put your confidence in him. He's a well-present help. <laughs> very present help. You're proven, God. I can put my trust in him. I can put my confidence in him. He won't fail me. Others might fail me. Others might break their promises to me. Others might forsake me. Others might abandon me, turn their back on me. The moment I open myself up to them, they leave me hanging. But God, it's not his first time. He's proven.
He's proven himself to be faithful. He's proven himself to be loving. He's proven himself to be constant. He's proven himself to be a shelter. He's proven himself to be a refuge. That's why. That's why I trust him. That's why I rely on him. But you have to understand this. If we want God to help us, We also have to understand that many times we have to help ourselves because we can have things in our life that block God from having access to us. And because God is a gentleman and God gives us the power of free will. And God isn't going to force us or make us do anything that we don't want to do. God will not remove things that we have placed in front of his path to get to us. That's something we have to do. And we find a very similar story to that which I am speaking of in 2 Chronicles. And we find Asa. And we find in verse, we find in 2 Chronicles 14. And verse number 11, the Bible says, And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help. Asa said, There is nobody like my God to help. He began to cry out unto the Lord to help. But we find earlier, before Asa could cry out to God to help him, before Asa could cry out to God to be there for him, Asa first had to do some things in his life. And if we go back up to chapter, or rather verse number two, the Bible says that Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. Listen, and he took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down Asherim and commanded Judah to seek the Lord because before you can ask for God to help you you first got to help yourself you can't just come and say God I need you to help me whenever you place things in your life and place things in your heart that have blocked him from having access to help you but in order for God to help you you first have to help yourself and begin to remove things out of your life that God is not pleased with. The Bible says that Asa understands if I'm going to have God do something in my life, I must first help myself and remove some things. And the Bible says he removes the pillars and the high places and he begins to seek the Lord. If you want God to help you, can I tell you what you must do? You must remove everything in your life that is not like him. Every high place, every high Everything that would exalt itself above the wisdom and knowledge of God must come down. Oh, I know that's not a popular message. I know that's not something we always want to hear. But can I tell you, if you're desperate for the help of God to reach you, you first have to get to the place where to where you clear a pathway for God to get to your heart. You've got to clear a pathway for God to get to your mind. You can't allow anything to block God from having access to you. He begins to clear things out. 
And today we don't have idols that look like, if I walked in one of your homes today and I saw a big 10 foot tall bronze statue or idol, I would freak out. You know what I'm saying? Like what in the world is going on here? Let me tell you what idols look a lot like in the 21st century. God, I need you to help me. God is saying, I'm trying to get to you, but I can't get to you because there's something that's blocking me from having access to you. God, 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 I need you to, God said, I know, I know you want me to help you, but the friend group that you've been surrounding yourself with uh, is blocking me from having access to you. God, uh, I need deliverance in my life. I know you need deliverance, uh, but the things you've been allowing, uh, the way that you've allowed money and greed to get in your way, uh, I can't have access to you. But if you'll remove those things, uh, if you'll get rid of those things, uh, and you'll allow me to have access to your heart again, uh, that is when I can have help you that is when I could do a supernatural work in your life you're saying phones are wrong no phones are not in and of themselves we know they're not wrong is there anything wrong with having a little money no nothing wrong with that I believe it's the will of God for his people to be blessed but here's the thing we can get to a place to where those things in this world block us from have or block God from having access to us. And at the point that I exalt those things above God in my life, God cannot have access to me. At the point to where I allow those things to be higher than God in my life, God can no longer get to me. So I want to preach to somebody in this place. You need to make sure that you don't have anything in your life that's keeping God from having access to you. I want a clear path. That's why I repent every day. <laughs> That's why I find a place to pray every day and I get on my knees and I repent because I don't want anything to block God from having access to me. God, I need, I need the help. Some of you might not need the help of God, but I need his help. I can't make it a day without God. I can't make it a day without his presence. I need him to have access to me. Therefore, anything that's blocking that must be removed. I want them to have access. Asa says, God, I remove everything, the foreign places, the high places, the pillars. I'm cutting them down. And we're going to seek the Lord. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says when they do this, they take out the high places and the incense altars. Listen to what it says in verse number five. And the kingdom had rest. Under him. When you allow God to have access to you, your peace is restored. I don't have any peace. Well, maybe the problem is we haven't allowed God to have access to us in a while. Where, where's, where's, I don't have any joy. Well, maybe, maybe the fact is we've, we've allowed things to get in our way. And now God can't get to us to give us peace. But the Bible says the moment Asa says, I'm clearing everything out the way. I'm moving everything out the way. The Bible says there is rest. There's peace. 
Can I tell you the key to you being, you you having peace and, and having the joy of God restored is when you begin to remove things. There's a divine rest that God wants to give somebody in this room. That doesn't mean that everything gets better in your world. That doesn't mean that everything automatically is fixed. But that does mean that there is a peace that passes understanding. There is a peace that is there in the midst of anxiety, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of everything that's trying to crash in and cave in around you. You can have the joy and the peace of God in your life. There's rest. We remove everything and allow God to have access to us. Bible says... Immediately after that, though, the enemy comes. You know, that's just like the adversary. And this is where many of us get in trouble. Because the moment God does something in our lives, the enemy shows up on our front door. Fresh attack. Fresh mind battle. And many of us, at that point, We can have the tendency to just give up and throw in the towel. But this is the point where Asa does what we all must do today when faced with adversity. The Bible says Asa has an army of 300,000 from Judah armed with large shields and spears and 280,000 men from Benjamin that carried shields and drew bows. And all these were mighty men of valor. But Zerah the Ethiopian came out against him with an army of a million men and 300 chariots and came as far as Merisha. And Asa went out to meet him. And they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zephathath and Merisha. And listen, and Asa cried to the Lord his God. Oh Lord, there is none like you to help. Notice Asa's prayer is the exact same prayer as Moses' prayer. Asa says, God, there is none like you. Not because you are powerful and God, you are powerful. Not because you have uh, all authority and you do have all authority. But what makes you unique, what makes you special, God, uh, is the fact that you actually will get involved in my life and help me. There is none like you to help. And I love what Asa says at this next part. He says, God, there's none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Because, see, some of us think that God can help us because we have too much stuff going on in our life. We're too weak. God, you can't help me. God, I've I've lived a life of sin. I've lived a life uh, that is unpleasing to you. There's no way. I'm weak spiritually. God says, I am not a respecter of persons. Uh, I'll help those that are weak, uh, and I'll help those that are mighty. Uh, I don't care where you're at in your walk uh, and in your relationship with God. Uh, If you'll cry out to him, uh, he will help you. Uh, Aren't you thankful for a God that's no respecter of persons? A God that doesn't care about your social economic status. A God that doesn't care about how much money you have in the bank. But a God that says, I'll help anybody. I don't care if you're mighty. I don't care if you're weak. As long as you cry out to me, I will help you. (laughs) 
God's not a respecter of persons. God doesn't discriminate. God doesn't care what color you are, what background you come from, uh, what name you have or don't have, uh, what family tree you have or don't have. Uh, God doesn't care. Uh, as long as you call on his name, uh, he will help you. Listen to what he says. There's no God like my God between, to help between the mighty and the weak. And he says, help us, O Lord, our God, for we rely on you. And in your name, in your name, we've come against this multitude. I want you to stand all across this room. I'm coming to a close. He's a very present help in the time of trouble. He's a God. And when we allow him to have access to us, we remove everything that would try to block him from having access to us. At this point, he's a God that will help us. But you see the problem that many of us might have is the fact that we've been helped before. But the same people that helped us were the same people that within a short period of time turned their back on us, walked out the door, and left us. To some of us, we don't understand that because we've never been there. But there are some people in this room that because of that have very real trust issues, if I can say it that way, with God. To some of us, that's silly. Like, what? You, you got trust issues with God? Come on. Really? People, people deal with that? It's a very real issue for some people in this room right now. Because we think, if I allow God to touch my heart... I remove everything that's blocking God from having access to me and I allow God to come into my life and truly help me and transform my life then he's going to turn around and he's going to leave me just like everybody else has left me he may come in for a little bit and help me but the moment I get in church real good Something's going to happen in my family. Something's going to happen in my life and I'm going to be left by myself just like I was I've tried this old God thing before. And the moment I seem to be doing good, all hell breaks loose in my life. And it feels as if God has left me and I'm by myself. I can't trust God. I had a very close person to me tell me this a few months ago. God cannot be trusted. God cannot be trusted. I can't trust God. I've tried to trust God. He can't be trusted. I looked, I said back to her over the phone, I said, you're wrong. I said, God can't be trusted. Just because bad things happen in your life does not mean that God is not with you. Just because horrible things happen in your life does not mean that God is not with you. 
But his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than our ways. And sometimes God will allow things to happen. Job is in the midst of the worst test and trial in his life. God, where are you? God said, I'm allowing this to happen, Job. I'm allowing this to happen because I'm trying to, I, I'm trying to harden you. I, I, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to show you that, that I'm still on the throne. I'm still God how can I trust God because maybe the moment I trust God is the moment he leaves me but I love what Moses continues to say in verse number 27 of our scripture text first he says there is none like unto the God of Jeshurun who rideth upon the heaven in thy help and his excellency on the sky But then he continues on and he says, the eternal God is thy refuge. That's just good old King James Z's for this. God is a home. God's presence. God's spirit is a home. It's a, listen, and underneath are the everlasting arms. What that simply means is when God helps you, he doesn't just leave you. But when God helps you, he creates a home for you. There is a place for you. There is a place of safety. There is a place of shelter. Come on, somebody. You say, I don't understand. It's still raining outside. Let me tell you this. Just because, just because there's shelter doesn't mean that there's not rain. But there is a place that you can go to and be shielded from the rain. Can I tell somebody there is a home. There is a place when it's raining. When it's tough outside. When everything is going wrong in your life. There's a place that you can run to. There's a help that you can run to. His presence. Home. (laughs) That's where the help is. Home is where his presence is. Home is where home is where the help is. That young lady Sharon that I preached about was not just a made-up story. It's a young young lady that I was had the privilege rather of being with a few months ago. And she was telling me this story. She said, Brother James, after that moment, she said, it was several years. That happened to me around maybe age 12. She said, maybe age, anywhere from age 8 to 12. She said, my life was so dysfunctional. I just, I can't really remember when. She said, but it happened when I was a, a young child. She said, and for years, I never had one more experience like that. She said, I never felt that again. She said, life just kind of continued on, and I never felt that again. She said, but then one day about this age, she said, I went into a church, Pentecostal church. She said, I'd never been before, but someone invited me to come. And she said, I I went. She said, I went down as I was invited to the front of the altar. And she says, when I went down to the front of the altar, She said, and I lifted up my hands. She said, I literally felt the same presence that was in my room 
for the very first time since then she said and I felt it she said the same arms that wrapped around me in that room and I was no longer afraid and I was no longer scared she said I felt those same arms wrap around me in that room and she said I began to say out loud this is what was in my room this is what was in my room this is who was in my room and she said I began to lift up my hands and as I did she said the Holy Ghost fell on me I began to speak in tongues for the very first time as God filled me with this spirit because home is where the help is and although it was many many years there is a place that was created for her there is a home that was created for her when God helps you he doesn't leave you there's a home for you God is no respecter of person to help the mighty and the weak because you know the truth of the matter is this <laughs> every mighty man was once a weak man every mighty woman was once a weak woman you may look into this place today and see a bunch of people that perhaps have it all together if this is your first or second or third or maybe if you're new you may think everybody's had it all together and everybody's always looked this awesome and been this great and everybody's perfect but can I tell you that couldn't be further from the truth because we've all at one point been like Sharon and we've been weak but can I tell you let me look let me show that last picture this is what God can do now Sharon is an older woman she's she's a wonderful woman of God and her son and it's an incredible worship leader in North Carolina her son-in-law and her daughter pastor a wonderful church in North Carolina God changed the course and the trajectory of her life and now they're making a kingdom impact across the world because God's presence is where the help is is no respecter of person he can help the mighty he can also help the weak so here's what I want us to do if you're in this room today and you're mighty and you're afraid to kind of ask for help I want you to come to the front and if you're weak and you're a little bit ashamed to ask for help I want you to come to the front because God is in this room for both the mighty and the weak. God is in this room for people who have been in church 25 years. And God is also in, the, in this room for people who have been in church for the past 25 minutes for the first time. Can I tell you, God is here to help every single person. I want you to come to the front. I want you to come with hands lifted. I want you to come with expectation in your spirit that God is here and he's going to help me. I want you to come with expectation in your heart that God is here. Come on, lift up your voice right now. Come on, lift up your voice right now. I want you to begin to pray. Come on, I believe. 
Stay away.